Letter twenty one of Young Americans Abroad or Vacation in Europe Travels in England, France, Holland, Belgium, Prussia, and Switzerland. Edited by J. O. Chules. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter twenty one London Dear Charlie, What shall I tell you about Westminster Abbey? I hope I may be able to say enough to make you long to see it, and determine you to read all you can about it. By the way, I have satisfied myself that I can learn the best things about such places by carefully reading good histories, and examining the best engravings. This abbey claims to have been built in 616 by a Saxon king. It was enlarged by Edgar and Edward the Confessor, and was rebuilt as it now appears by Henry the Third and Edward the First. In this church all the sovereigns of England have been crowned, from Edward the Confessor down to Victoria, and not a few of them have been buried here. The architecture, excepting Henry the Seventh's chapel, is of the early English school. Henry's chapel is of the perpendicular Gothic. The western towers were built by Sir Christopher Wren. We entered at the door leading to the poet's corner. We gazed with interest on the monuments of Chatham, Pitt, Fox, and Canning, Prince Rupert, Monk, Chaucer, Spencer, Beaumont, Fletcher, Ben Jonson, Cowley, Dryden, Dr. Watts, Addison, Gay, Sheridan, and Campbell. Here, too, are tablets to Barrow, South, Garrick, Handel, Clarendon, Bishop Atterbury, Sir Isaac Newton, and Old Parr, who died at the age of one hundred and fifty-two. The associations of this building are everything to the stranger. I will give you a list of names of the kings and queens buried here. Siebert, Edward the Confessor, Henry the Third, Edward the First, Queen Eleanor, Edward the Third and his Queen Philippa, Richard the Second and his Queen, Henry the Fifth, Henry the Seventh and his Queen, Anne of Cleves, Queen of Henry the Eighth, Edward the Sixth, Bloody Mary, Mary Queen of Scots, Queen Elizabeth, James the First and his Queen, Queen of Bohemia, Charles the Second, William the Third and Mary, Queen Anne, George the Second and Queen Caroline. We took the circuit of the chapels, beginning with St. Benedict. Here many eminent churchmen have been interred. The next is St. Edmund's, which contains twenty monuments, the monument of the Earl of Pembroke, brother of Henry the Third. He died 1278. Here, too, are tombs of children of Edward the Second and Edward the Third. I noticed a very fine brass monument, which represents a Duchess of Gloucester in her dress as a nun, dated 1399. There is, too, the effigy of the Duchess of Suffolk, mother of poor Lady Jane Grey. The third is St. Nicholas's Chapel, where is seen Lord Burley's monument. The fourth is the Virgin Mary's Chapel, called Henry the Seventh's Chapel, and the ascent to which is by twelve or fourteen steps. This glorious room consists of a central aisle, with five small chapels and two side aisles. Here you see the stalls and banners of the Knights of the Bath, who were formerly installed in this chapel. The altar tomb of Henry the Seventh is truly beautiful. Lord Bacon said, it is one of the costliest and daintiest tombs in Europe. Here are the tombs of his mother, and the mother of Lord George Darnley, and Mary, Queen of Scots, and the Duke of Buckingham, Queen Elizabeth, and Queen Mary. Here, too, is a sarcophagus, which is supposed to contain the remains of Edward V and the Duke of York, discovered in the tower in the seventeenth century, in a box. Charles the Second, William and Mary, and Queen Anne are in a vault on the south aisle. George the Second and his queen, Caroline, lie together, a side being taken out of each coffin. The fifth chapel is St. Paul's. The most striking object here is a colossal portrait statue of James Watt, 
the great steam-engine perfecter, if not inventor. This is by Chantry, and costs six thousand pounds, and seems quite out of place. Archbishop Usher lies in this chapel. The sixth chapel, called Edward the Confessor's, pleased me greatly. In the centre is the shrine of the monarch saint. It is rich in mosaic ornaments. The altar-tomb of Henry the Third is very grand, and there is a noble bronze statue of the king. Edward I is here, and in 1774 his body was found almost entire. Edward III and Philippa, his queen, have tombs. Here, too, was Henry V, the hero of Agincourt, Richard II, and queen. We were delighted with the two coronation chairs. In one is the old stone of scone, on which the early Scotch kings used to be crowned. Edward I carried it off, and it has ever since figured in English coronations. It is a large piece of red and grey sandstone, and claims to have been the veritable pillow on which Jacob slept. The seventh chapel is that of St. Erasmus, and leads to the eighth, which is John the Baptist's. Here rest the early abbots of the church. It contains very fine monuments to Lord Hunsdon, Chamberlain to Queen Bess. Just outside, in the aisle, we found the noble monument to General Wolfe, and the celebrated work of Robillac in the memory of Mrs. Nightingale, where death is seen throwing his dart at the wife, who falls into her husband's arms. Over all this noble abbey did we wander again and again in repeated visits, and admire the finest statuary we have ever seen. Robillac was a wonderful genius, and his monument to Sir Peter Warren is exquisite. The works of Bacon, Flaxman, Nolikins, Chantry, and Westmacott have made me in love with statuary, and I long to see the great works which are to be seen on the continent." Many of the tablets and statues are only honorary, as the persons commemorated were not buried here, as Shakespeare, Southey, Thompson, Goldsmith, Dr. Watts, etc. I could spend hours looking at Robiac's monument for the Duke of Argyle, and his statue for Handel. We attended divine service one Sunday afternoon, and heard a very fine sermon from Lord John Thine. The abbey was crowded, the music the best I ever heard in a church, the preacher was quite eloquent, and Dr. C. observed that it was the most evangelical sermon he had heard in England. The subject was on justification by faith. I may forget many things that I shall see on our travels, but I think that this abbey will never vanish from my recollection. I shall always remember the very position of these great works of art and genius, and I am more than repaid for all the labor of a voyage. Yours affectionately, Weld. End of letter 21 Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.